give us this day our daily bread. Uh, it, w- there, there's obviously entire classes and entire lives that could be spent studying the Lord's Prayer uh, and even then not scratch the surface of it. One, one thing that has, has been a struggle for me uh, as, as a person who believes that we need to be uh, uh, focusing on the generations to come, uh, that we've got to keep uh, people coming after us in mind, uh, is that there is at some level a bit of a conflict with uh, let's plan for what happens a hundred years from now and give us this day our daily bread. Um, and and I, don't, I don't know that that's a bad conflict. It, it, uh, uh, friction is, is not altogether a bad thing. But there is a strain there between uh, trying to convince people that, hey, there, there could be some bad things on the way happening in the future, and then at the same time saying, but we're give us this day our daily bread Tomorrow has enough problems of its own, um, and 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 that is that 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 is a bit uh, that that that's a struggle, and and I think it's a good one, uh, a good one to struggle with. All right, my favorite part of class. Hi, Ginger. <laughs> um, one of the most famous. Uh, environmental environmentalism sayings out there think globally act locally uh, that was uh, lots of that phrase has been attributed to lots of people lots of long-haired hippies um, but probably not enough long-haired Christians uh, out there I think that uh, when we're talking about uh, missional discipleship um, you know that that that's a good that 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 would be <laughs> that would be a, a interesting thing to say day one is that I'm saying think globally but act act locally um, but that, that applies to how we act in the environment, but that also applies to how we act in the gospel as well, is to think globally, but act where we, uh, act where we can. Um, I, I like putting up pictures, so, so for the, uh, I, I was just in the mood to, to put, um, I, I went and I watched, um, what, what was the Avengers movie last night, Captain America? Yeah, and so there's this scene, not to give too much of the plot away because there's not much of one, um, but it was a good movie. I liked it. Um, but there was a scene where Ant-Man um, is, a, is a normal guy, but he presses one button and he becomes an ant. But then when he presses another button in a different way, he becomes this absolute giant. And I thought, well, that was that was a really cool part of the movie. That's not a salvation issue there. Um, <laughs> but um, so I was thinking last night uh, that uh, that what, what are just the biggest? What's the what's the biggest things in creation? That's the General Sherman uh, giant sequoia uh, tree, the largest tree on our planet, uh, giant redwood. Um, uh, there are other trees in that area. Uh, uh, the Joshua tree uh, that you two made a uh, album out of that they think is upwards of 6,000 years old. Um, that one is almost 300 feet tall right there. That's a person standing in front of it right there. I've actually never seen them in person. <laughs> um, but uh, that is just that is just amazing. And if you're if you're an if you're an alien who arrives on this planet, um, you're, I I would come to the conclusion that these were the ones who were in charge of this planet and not uh, and not us. Let's see. Oh yeah, Charlotte, you've been my friend. That in itself is a tremendous thing. I wove my webs for you because I liked you. After all, what's a life anyway? 
We're born, we live a little while, we die. A spider's life can't help being something of a mess with all this trapping and eating flies. By helping you, perhaps I was trying to lift up my life a trifle. Heaven knows anyone's life can stand a little bit of that. Charlotte from Charlotte's Web. That's the king spider. That's the biggest spider on earth right there. Um, ew, yuck. The largest spider web on earth stretches for 600 feet, um, uh, which, is, which is amazing. Um, that was a spider that was on my neck when we lived in Guatemala uh, one night. These are, these are one inch thick boards right here. So the spider was a, uh, about the size of my hand. And um, I may have said some words that I didn't need to say about that, but I think, uh, I think I may have to park in the gravel lot when I get to heaven because of that. <laughs> but Charlotte also said, trust me, Wilbur, people are very gullible. They'll believe anything they see in print. Says the guy who's putting up a bunch of stuff in print up here. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Moby Dick, I have no objection to any person's religion, uh, be it what it may, so long as that person does not kill or insult any other person, because that other person don't believe it also. When a man's religion becomes really frantic, when it's a positive torment to him, and in fine makes this earth of ours an uncomfortable end to lodge in, then I think it high time to take that individual aside and argue the point with him. Um, that's a blue whale compared to a, the, uh, a, a typical McDonald's. Uh, right there, the largest animal they think that has ever lived on our planet is the blue whale. Uh, it's hundred can be upwards of a hundred feet long. Um, just a just a phenomenal phenomenal animal. Um, I, I found a map that showed uh, the uh, the the habitat for the blue whale, and it was every ocean on our planet. <laughs> In blue was where they live. I thought that was funny. Um, and just as, a, uh, just as a point of reference, that is a blue whale compared to the space shuttle. I think that's amazing that, that something can get that big. It, the blue whale's tongue weighs more than an elephant. That is a picture I showed a few weeks ago, um, and, uh, and we're going to revisit it today. That's a neuron. That's a brain cell. Uh, that's, how, that's what goes on up here. And there's trillions of them in there, and they are connected to, uh, uh, to each other in a miraculous set of electric pulses. Um, and I believe that, that God works in, uh, uh, God is in there, and he's in there, and, and he's, in, he's in there. Um, the human brain has 100 billion neurons, each neuron connected to 10,000 other neurons. Sitting on your shoulders is the most complicated object in the known universe. Um, and that's, that's one of the guys, Michio Kaku, that you'll see on some of these science channels. Uh, he he's, seems like he's always interviewed about, he's an expert on everything, which may, may mean he's an expert on nothing. I don't know. Um, but uh, I thought that was a, a that, that, that is something that we need to keep in mind as we're talking about creation, as we're, as we're uh, dwelling on creation and the wonders of our world and the wonders of our universe that um, I believe and Michio Kaku believes and I, uh, when I read the Bible uh, that the most uh, amazing creation is, what, is what's in here. Um, I, I, do, I do think that that's true. I've had a terribly, horribly busy day converting oxygen to carbon dioxide. Now I just need a moment to breathe. <laughs>
Meanwhile, in Australia, they had a flood and they had sharks inside of a uh, inside of an aquarium. Um, I thought that was funny. Can't go by too many weeks without a good Stephen Colbert quote. Global warming isn't real because I was cold today. Also, great news, world hunger is over because I just ate. <laughs> so, I've had more than one person tell me, I like your class, but I just feel bad every time I leave it. And I'm like, well, <laughs> welcome to my life. Um, so I think, it, I think it's worthwhile to, to take a step back um, because I, anytime you leave church feeling worse than you left, then something didn't go right. Um, and I think anytime that you enter prayer feeling worse than when you uh, leave prayer, we're feeling worse than when you entered it, then perhaps something didn't go right. Um, it, and it, this is something I think is going to be a real struggle for us this year, um, maybe for the next 45 minutes, uh, uh, and maybe for the rest of our lives, is the question, is it getting better or is it getting worse? You know, is it, it however you describe it, is it getting better or is it getting worse? Um, I have made up my mind. I, I'm, I try very hard to be apolitical about things. Um, so I always am, am happy when I find commonality between the various barking dogs on either side of the political fence. And one common phrase, one common feeling that they try to elicit is, it's getting worse. It is not as good as it used to be. Um, maybe from different perspectives, but it is not as good as it used to be. Um, things are getting worse. And I, I will say, I, I'm a graph guy. I like putting up graphs that show this is a dangerous trend that, 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 we're, that we're headed on here. I believe it's getting better. I really believe it's getting better. I think I would not trade our spot, our time, our people with any other place and with any other time in the history of this planet, okay? The fact that we have the ability to pay attention, the, the, things are good enough that the sore thumbs stick out even more. The sore thumbs stick out even more because things are good enough, okay? Um, it, the, 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 the problems, be it global warming, be it um, uh, silly people on the news, um, the, the people from 18, 60 would, would, would laugh at us if they didn't punch us. Um, so I, I want to say, before we go any further, I believe that, it's, that, that it is getting better. Um, and I also believe that it is getting better specifically because of what happened 2,000 years ago. Um, because if you, if you go forward with the it's getting worse argument, then eventually you have to come back around to, and, and then, the, you know, Jesus really didn't perhaps make that much difference when he came to earth. Um, and that, that's, that's not a conclusion I'm very comfortable getting to. As a matter of fact, I, uh, uh, why did my Savior come to earth? Okay. Can anybody explain the, has anybody heard the phrase, the tragedy of the commons? Oh. No, but you're nodding emphatically. You have heard of the tragedy of the commons. Commons. Anybody else? I'll give you. The, I'll give you the. Uh, 
I'll give you the, um, uh, the, the short version of it. It's an economic theory that, um, uh, oh boy, we need more cans of Play-Doh up there. Um, it's an economic theory that says basically uh, when people share things, when they have things in common, uh, invariably they're going to, somebody is going to take a little bit more than they should. For the, for the good of themselves, it's not going to make that much difference. So they're going to they're going to put one more cow on that common pasture, or they're going to put two more cows on that common pasture, and it's going to make them better, but it's going to make the herd worse. And then when this person does the same thing, it makes them better, but it makes the herd even worse. And when the next person does it, it makes the herd even worse. Mm-hmm. And and that's the tragedy of the commons is that everybody in an effort to try to make themselves just a little bit better winds up making everything worse. Um, and that's a, okay, yeah, that's a fairly negative concept there. Um, but uh, but the, the, in environmental circles, and I think in, in, in Christian circles too, it raises, the, uh, it raises the question of if this is a common ground right here, um, uh, do we need to be looking at things in the sense of how we share? Because we are all sharing the same air. We are all sharing the same water. We are all sharing the same soil. Um, and in efforts to make things better here, is it making things worse everywhere? Possibly. Could be. Um, the, the tragedy of the commons as an economic theory is not discussed in the Bible. Sharing and the uh, problems associated with sharing is discussed on almost every page of the Bible. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Call Laura Troop if you want to practice hospitality. God's purpose was that the body should not be divided, but rather all of its parts feel the same concern for each other. If one part of the body suffers, all the other parts share its suffering. If one part is praised, all the others share in its happiness. Um, We most of the time refer to that in terms of churches um, and the brotherhood. But um, you can extrapolate, if the church is the model of how things should be in the world, then you could change all of that if people two feet above sea level in Bangladesh are suffering, then people one mile high in Denver should also be sharing in that suffering. Um, If one part is praised, all the others share in its happiness. Um, Part of it's getting better is much of the world, things are getting better. Um, That's not to say that there's not significant problems out there, but one thing that is maddening to me is this concept of we have done things that have caused other countries to catch up, right? Is that really a bad thing? Is that really, is it bad in the past 20 years if we've gone from here to here? Well, that's great. And if South Korea has gone from here to here, that's not a bad thing. That's not, that, that should be something we should be happy about if 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 there are if there are not 
mass starvations of tens of millions of people in the Ukraine or in China because of uh, advances that we have made, we should be happy about that. We should rejoice in, in those parts of the body, those parts of the earth. The earth is the Lord's and all that's in it, uh, the world and all those who live in it. Uh, for God has founded it on the seas and established it on the rivers. Give freely and become more wealthy. All right, good enough so far. Uh, but be stingy and lose everything. Okay. The, uh, uh, one of the founders of the company that I work for had a, uh, had a saying that said, pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. Um, that's, that's, that's probably true. Um, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And this one's the most important. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. I'll have a bucket by the door on the way out. So the tragedy of the commons, the, the stresses associated with, with sharing with each other are, are very, very real. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, we talked about what matters, what we do matters. If there is any Christian sentiment out there, it's that individuals matter. God loves me. God loves us. Uh, what I do is important to my Creator. What I do is important to my fellow uh, human beings. Um, so even if we're just one 7.3 billionth of the planet, uh, what we do matters. Okay. This is a graph of carbon dioxide levels in our atmosphere. Somebody stuck a carbon dioxide, uh, a, an atmospheric sampler out in the middle of the Pacific on top of Mauna Loa, um, so away from the industrial world of Peking, away from a TVA Kingston fossil plant. And it's so interesting to see that you can tell the northern hemisphere has more land than southern hemisphere. So this time of year when all the trees wake up and they start breathing in, they start taking carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. And so they take carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere during the summer. And then when all the trees go to sleep, uh, they become dormant, that, that goes back up. And what you can see is a steady, steady increase in that level. The peaks are higher, the valleys are higher. This is a clip of the last four and a half years or so. It's a part of this graph right here because they stuck it on top of the mountain in 1957. Uh, and I remember distinctly when I was in middle school and I had to learn what our atmosphere is made of, I distinctly remember that our atmosphere was 0.3% carbon dioxide. That's what it was. Well, starting last year was the first time it was up over 0.4%. It's gone up by 25, or is that 33%? I forget. It's gone up uh, just in uh, the span of about 50 years. And obviously, this is a trend that, <laughs> that's an obvious trend line right there. Okay, well that's a pretty graph. But that is something that's very, very important for people to realize is that that's a fact. You know, that's, 
That's a fact. All right, here I go. <laughs> Hang with me. Somebody lock the doors. This is not this is not a myth. This term is not a myth. Okay? It's it's real, it's proven, it's settled science. And I know people are going to say all this stuff that Al Gore is saying is not settled science. We're going to talk about that because all that is being said is certainly not settled science. But there are some things that are. And as humans and as Christians, it's important for us to not stick our head in the sand about some things. It's not a myth. Okay? Depending on what's in your atmosphere depends on what the temperature is on your planet. This is a shot of Mercury. Mercury is this far from the sun. There is ice on Mercury. Okay? There is ice on Mercury. With the part that's facing the sun is about 1,000 degrees. The part that's not facing the sun is about negative 200 degrees. Um, so there is ice there because it doesn't have a blanket and atmosphere to balance things out like we do. The next one out, Venus, is the greenhouse effect gone crazy? It's hotter than um, it's hotter than Mercury, even though it's further away. Its its uh, atmosphere is uh, about 99% carbon dioxide, um, and it's also got some sulfur dioxide, which is an acid, and it has nitrous oxide, which is laughing gas, um, and its air pressure is about three times as much as us. So what that means is, if you're there, you're dissolving, you're being crushed, um, you're choking, and you're laughing about it. <laughs> so it's not a myth. It's not a myth. And it's not a new idea either. It's not a new idea. This isn't just something that some bunch of hippie weirdos came up with a few years ago. Scientific study. The temperature of the Arctic regions would rise about 8 degrees or 9 degrees Celsius if the carbon dioxide level increased 2.5 to 3 times its present value. 1895 was when that scientific study was postulated by Arrhenius, one of the giants of chemistry. Uh, uh, it, it's not a new concept. Okay, We don't do ourselves as people or as Christians uh, any favors by saying this is just some big power grab by the United Nations or this is just some big uh, conspiracy by uh, 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 either Bernie Sanders' hair or Donald Trump's hair, whichever one you want to make fun of at the time. Uh, temperatures over the past, and this is fairly reliable data going back, this is fairly reliable sampling of carbon dioxide. Um, you can see that there, there, there at least appears to be some correlation between the two. Um, some have said there hasn't been any measurable increase in temperatures in the past uh, 10 years or so. So if you take global temperatures and then you plot a best fit line, it's almost exactly flat for 10 years. That is true for 10 years but if you you can for each decade you can plot its own uh, flat line uh, for each one and see that uh, that there does appear to be uh, a distinct trend coming up 
and this past year is just a, a way outlier uh, on on how warm our uh, our globe was. By the way, much of this data that's looked at worldwide is just is sampled, uh, 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 put together by the University of Alabama Huntsville, right down the road. So good for them. What effect does this all have? This dashed line right here was the Arctic ice extent in the 1980s. This was the Arctic ice extent in the 1990s. This was the Arctic ice extent in the OOs. Um, this is it today, uh, literally today. Um, they, we've got satellites who take, take readings of it every day. Um, and it's running, uh, it's on a pace to be about half what it was just about 30 years ago. If that trend continues, then the dreaded or it's certainly noteworthy ice-free Arctic Ocean uh, is going to happen a few decades earlier than what anybody thought would be the case. See? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're going to say. Say it. That's good. Yeah, well, Thank I you. Yep. It's a lot. It, and there, there, are, there are some things that, that people can say, well, you know, we, we haven't been keeping good temperature data forever all over the planet. We haven't had satellites but for uh, a few decades. I get that. But what I also get is that in the early 1500s, late 1400s, there were European explorers who were trying to find a Northwest Passage to get, uh, to get to Asia by sailing north, and they couldn't do it because it was every year it was covered in ice. In 2007, that opened up, uh, and it's been opened up every summer since then. So to me, that's pretty good, that's pretty good data that something is different recently uh, than how it used to be. This is going to be interesting, and it's going to be extremely frustrating to me because we know how this summer is going to unfold. We know how the summer is going to unfold. There's going to be endless election updates. And I'm not going to say that the election is not important. It probably is. It's certainly important to TV ratings. But stuff like this is news. And that's going to be lost in the shuffle. At best, it's going to be back page footnote nobody clicked on this so it's going to go back to our other news section uh, on the on on whatever site that you get information from um, but that is something that's worth noting uh, and and talking about so what does that mean what, what does that mean if what does that mean to us as a church, as Christians? What does that mean to us as a planet? Uh, and in some ways, that's the same question. Um, but if you plot uh, the amount of ice that might melt and the amount of sea level uh, that would come up, uh, it does affect a lot of our planet. Now, these are all areas that would be inundated uh, within a few decades. And it's not a rapid inundation, it's a slow boil. Um, 
And I, I will say, I don't believe that we're, we would be, well, I'm not going to say that exactly like I was going to say it. But Destin can handle this, okay? They can build a seawall. They can build, they can build uh, uh, berms. They can move houses. Uh, if, you, if you only need to get up this far while on a planetary level, that's a big, big deal for the uh, average construction site. They can make that happen, okay? There's enough millions of dollars on just about every location around here uh, that they can do it. Uh, New York City is, is spending upwards of, of two or three billion dollars doing that right now. The city of Miami, uh, their sewer system started flowing backwards. Um, and uh, that's not what you want to be the case. You generally want it to go that way. So uh, they, are, uh, they are spending, uh, I think it's $4 billion on what they call their ocean outfall system. Uh, to get uh, to get their pipes further out and further down uh, to get it uh, uh, to get it away from them after it's been treated. Europe has the same thing. You've got the Netherlands, the Low Countries. Uh, they're already inundated, not just because I drive an SUV, uh, but uh, but just because of how they are. Denmark has low areas. That that's. That's something economically for us to think about. Morally, what we need to think about is the approximately one billion people on the planet in places like lowland China, Southeast Asia, certainly Bangladesh, India, who don't have the capability to just pick up and move, okay? Who don't have the capability to call their insurance company and say, well, you know, there was eventually going to be a storm that broke the camel's back and this was it, so just pay up. And I know our premium's going up, shoot, but, um, but uh, let's, let's, let's get this fixed. M much of the planet doesn't operate that way. Uh, much of South America doesn't operate that way. The Maldive Islands, uh, the entire country of the Maldive Islands is about that far above current sea level uh, right now. Um, it's a pretty place though, but uh, they, they, are, they, they have already noticed uh, a, a rise there. We do have pretty good measurements. This is actually in a protected lagoon in Florida um, where, again, you can see almost the respiration of our planet of when things get locked up in ice in the wintertime. Uh, the sea levels fall and then in the summertime when the when Greenland and Canada melt a little bit the, the sea levels rise a little bit and so in the 90s uh, they the general trend was rising at about 0.3 inches a year and in the 2000s it was rising at about a half inch a year and the last five years it's been rising at about an inch and a third per year I know that that's that much, but over somebody's lifetime, that's that much. That's not a small deal. That's not a small, that's annoying if you're people like this in Florida who at high tide have to deal with something like that. It's annoying, um, but if you have to plant rice to support your family and the rice won't grow in salt water, then it's a life and death type of situation. So, 
what this means for us as Christians. Um, what will happen is not settled science. Okay, what's gonna happen, we don't know exactly. We we know that if we continue on the trends that we are, it's gonna get warmer. It's probably gonna get stormier because we got more water vapor going into the atmosphere. Uh, we know that there's probably going to be, uh, it's gonna be a bad century to be a polar bear. Um, but what is happening, I believe, is settled. And we don't do ourselves any favors when we talk about earthly things uh, in, in a uh, willfully ignorant manner. Number one, car carbon dioxide is a greenhouse gas. That's been settled for over a century. Number two, carbon dioxide levels are increasing in the atmosphere. That's obvious to any, anybody. Number three, humans are doing things to cause carbon dioxide levels to increase. Okay, anytime we're having a discussion with somebody and they want to say it's a hoax or they want to say um, uh, it's all going to burn anyway, why, why do we care? These three are facts and there's just nothing we can do about it. We are all entitled to our opinions, but we're not entitled to our facts. Right? Are, are we talking sin here? Um, my answer is I don't know. And also my answer is that's not my pay grade either. Um, but the, when I read the Bible, God talks to individuals a lot, but he talks to nations a lot too. And I don't mean nations like the United States of America. Um, but I mean nations like groups of people who make decisions amongst themselves. Um, are, are we talking sin here? Much of the minor prophets, why is he going minor prophets here? That's, much of the minor prophets can be summarized this way, is somebody going to a location and saying, you may not realize it, but this is a fact. You're headed down a bad road. Bad things are going to happen. That's, that's the minor prophets. That's the minor prophets. And I'm telling you bad things are going to happen, and being willfully ignorant about that is not an excuse to the Lord our God. And so I can't say, there's lots of things I can't say. I can't, but I can't say that, or if you don't know all there is to know about climate science, then you're going straight to hell. I hope that's not the case. But I can say that we have a moral obligation if there is something that could potentially be affecting our brothers and our sisters and the least of these, and we willfully stick our heads in the sand about it, then we are not loving the Lord our God with all of our heart and certainly not all of our mind. Um, so are, are we talking sin here? Um, I love that sign. I love that sign because it's very helpful. The cop hides behind this sign. I love this, if overweight, lose weight. That's not so helpful. We've got helpful and not helpful. One of the things among many that I love, I love, I love about what my three sons are learning from David Knox and David Rubio and Nicole Henley is not dwelling on 
are we talking sin here, but dwelling on are we talking about helpful or not helpful. So in our behaviors and the decisions that we make and the things that we do, are we doing things that are helpful or are we doing things that are not helpful? Um, and you can, you can talk about that in terms of amount of time you spend playing video games and you can talk about that in terms of amount of carbon dioxide emissions that you think is okay. Is it helpful or is it not helpful? Um, and if we want a better planet and if we want the least of these to thrive and to be able to provide for their children, um, I think that a, a, an easier way for us to think about it, uh, instead of saying two donuts is fine, but the third one is obviously gluttony, uh, or saying if you drive a car that's 20 miles per gallon, that's okay, but 15 miles a gallon, then you're sinning. That's not a helpful way to, to, to look at issues like this. But, uh, but thinking about what we do as being helpful or not helpful is a, is a, and how the Spirit moves you to act based on that can answer the question, am I sinning if I don't recycle? That can answer the question, am I sinning if uh, I am not politically active um, uh, uh, by, by supporting this person or this organization? Am I sinning by not taking part in a stream cleanup day and instead I'm, I'm, I'm doing something else? I, I can't answer any of those questions, but I can say if we pray, pray fervently for guidance and for, uh, for the Spirit to lead us uh, into what is helpful and what we all want to happen, I think our actions will follow alongside of that. Um, and unfortunately, this topic has been dominated by people, not unlike me, waving graphs at people's heads and not waving uh, Bibles at people's hearts and not waving the words of Jesus and the words of share with each other at people's hearts. And I do think that that's where we come in, not, uh, not politically, but spiritually. Um, that's where we come in. So aim, aiming at the heart, but it's okay to hit the mind too, and soul and strength for that matter. <clears throat> so as we're having discussions with people, instead of it's all a hoax, instead, in, instead of saying it or even letting that lie uh, that it's all a hoax, try... If there's something that I'm doing that might harm somebody else, maybe I should look into this a little bit more, right? If it might harm somebody else, maybe I should look into this a little bit more. <clears throat> Instead of, we're all gonna die. First of all, yes, we are all gonna die. You big baby. <laughs> but secondly, maybe part of why we're here is to solve problems and to make things better, okay? Let's not make things harder on ourselves. If it drives me crazy to walk into our laundry room or to my kids' rooms and see what they do with their laundry because they make things so hard on themselves. I'm like, if you would just clean this up, then you wouldn't have to do so much other thing. I'm, I'm gonna get carried away here for a second, but we are making things hard on ourselves. And I think in many ways, needlessly hard on ourselves and hard on our children. That's different than saying we're all going to die. Humans are not God, and we cannot affect the climate. 
no, we aren't God. But if we were God, and we could always change the thermodynamic properties of carbon dioxide, and today's class would be worthless. But we can affect the climate, and we've done it for millennia. It's happened all uh, throughout history. Uh, it just hasn't happened to this many people uh, at once, and, and perhaps this quickly. This has happened again. The Earth has had warm periods. It'll happen again. Probably has. But we've never had this many people out. Uh, and in the past, when you look at the fossil record, when things change quickly, life doesn't respond very well to it. Okay? That's different than saying we're all going to die, but it is a warning flag that says when we make rapid change, uh, uh, the, the earth, uh, God's creation that we are supposed to be stewards of, uh, uh, can be rather vindictive about that. Energy was once provided by humans, then it was provided by horses, then it was provided by steam, now it's provided by fossil fuels. There'll be a tech fix come along, uh, we'll let the market decide that. I can have that discussion, and, and I've had that discussion. I, I don't disagree with that completely, but I would say, why would you wait for a market to decide? Why, why would we wait for a market to decide? And while you're at it, why would you wait for a government to decide either? You know, we've got these two massive entities. We have people saying, that uh, that the hope of mankind is the free market, <clears throat> and you got people saying the hope of mankind is the institution of government, and there's this massive space in between of people like us that need to be talking about the hope of mankind was born in a stable, and the hope of mankind's words still resonate with us today about looking out after each other and loving thy neighbor. So is it right to remain ignorant? I don't know, but I refuse to find out. But it is okay to love the Lord your God with that. It is okay. Um, uh, that's, 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 that's one of the many ways that we are allowed to love the Lord our God, uh, that we are get, allowed to get to know the Lord our God, is by finding out more about His creation, finding out more about how, how things work, uh, and, <clears throat> and utilizing that to... Uh, look out after the least of these and be merciful to those so that we may be shown mercy. So that's, that's where we are with it. Um, uh, I talked a lot more today than really what I intended to. Um, I think we're done. Does anybody have one? Anybody have a comment or a question? Okay. Sorry about that. Anyway, I'll see you guys next week. <laughs>